Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today we're going to minister once again, not exactly on prayer, but we're going to speak about enemies of prayer. So the title of my message is Prayer, the Disciples' Way of Life, Part 2. And Part 2 has to do with enemies of prayer. Now, Last week, I gave an extensive study on the subject of prayer, teaching on the importance of prayer, the benefits of prayer, as well as the indispensable tools for a lifestyle of prayer. I feel that before we go into today's lesson, I would like to recap and repeat some of the important statements that I made last week, not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those who were not with us last Sunday. One of the first things that I have stated is that prayer is the foundation upon which we build our spiritual life. Prayer is the foundation upon which we build our spiritual life. Believers who are not engaging God in prayer or have established a lifestyle of prayer have no foundation to stand on. Their walk with God is always shaky and unstable. Up one day, down the next. There's no consistency in the walk of faith or evidence of bearing any kind of fruit to the glory of God. We've also mentioned some of the benefits of a lifestyle of prayer. And one of the benefits is that prayer will prepare our hearts for that which God has prepared for us. In other words, prayer will enable us to transition into that which has been prepared and appointed for us to walk in. Another benefit that we've mentioned last week is that a lifestyle of prayer will deliver us from limitations and mental restrictions which many times are keeping us in prisons of weakness. Prayer will also take us into places that nothing else will. It will create platforms for us to stand upon. It will open doors of utterance for us to speak to other people. It will give us entrance, spiritually entrance, 
into families, into communities, into cities and even nations for the purpose of influencing them for Christ and his kingdom. Prayer, therefore, will mark the boundaries of our influence. You cannot influence anyone beyond the level of your prayers for that person. Prayer will also strengthen our inner man and will fuel him with passion and courage. It will also purify our hearts and our minds and that will result in us being separated from things or even people that do not enhance the purpose and the plan of God for our lives. The greater our prayer life, the greater will be our separation from the things of this world. Prayer will also release the birthing of God's purposes, God's thoughts, and God's plans for our life, and it also shapes the future of our walk with the Lord in our divine destiny. I am here today because of the prayers that I have prayed yesteryear. I chose my future through my prayers, and my prayers have shaped the future of my destiny. And it will do the same for you. We come to the conclusion, therefore, that the failure of every Christian endeavor is related to prayer failure. And our lesson today will focus on one of the enemies of our prayer life, especially a lifestyle of prayer. This enemy is called, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is enemy number one to our spiritual progress, to our prayer life, and to our spiritual advancement in the things of God. This enemy is called complacency. Complacency. C-O-M-P-L-A-C-E-N-C-Y. And I'm going to give you the definition of this word, complacency. This is what the dictionary says. Complacency is a feeling of quiet pleasure or security, often while unaware of some potential danger, defect, or the like. It is self-satisfaction or smug satisfaction with an existing situation or condition. Simply put, complacency is being satisfied and comfortable with your existing spiritual condition. Here is a quote by Mark Ballinger on the subject of complacency. Listen to what he says. One of the greatest dangers in the Christian life is complacency. Contentment in Christ is to be sought after and celebrated, 
Complacency in Christ, however, is very different. Christian contentment means that no matter what happens, you are fully satisfied in Jesus. Christian complacency means that no matter what happens, you are fully self-satisfied with your current personal effort in pursuing Christ. End of quote. And how true this is. So I want to use our time today and deal extensively with a spiritual stronghold that I believe has gripped our churches in a major, major way. Thousands of born-again believers are in the grips and in the clutches of the spiritual disease called complacency. They are satisfied with a spiritual condition. They, they have camped. In other words, they are so happy with where they are, and even though God wants to give them more, they're not interested. They're quite satisfied. Now, the tragedy of it, of this, of this spiritual disease, is that most are unaware they are in the grips of it. That's the real danger of it. And let me say this, and I'm speaking about myself as well. If our soul is not revived, and if we are not passionate about God in our pursuit of God, then we are in the clutches of complacency, period. If we are not diligently seeking God regularly, from a position and from a place of spiritual hunger and thirst, we are being complacent. I want you to listen to a prayer that comes from a revived soul. Psalm 63 and verse 1. This prayer comes from a soul that is passionate about God, that is spiritually awakened and far from complacency. Listen to how he prays. O oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Psalm 63 verse 1. Isaiah cries out in Isaiah 26 verse 9, With my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. Now that is a revived soul. That is a soul that is on fire for God. A healthy soul that is spiritually hungry and is spiritually thirsty and is crying out for God's presence, for more of God, more of His wisdom, more of His love, and more of His revelation knowledge. He would not rest, he would not give God rest until God takes him further into His presence and into His loving heart. That is a revived soul. 
That is a soul that's been awakened by the Spirit of God and it's far from complacent. Now, complacency does the opposite. It places our spirit into a spiritual slumber. That's what complacency does. It is a deadly enemy to spiritual progress. The contented soul is a stagnant soul. Believers who have fallen into complacency no longer thirst, no longer hunger for God because they are satisfied with their existing condition. As a result of that self-satisfaction, the prayer life becomes obsolete. That is why I say that complacency is a killer to our lifestyle of prayer. Now, John instructed by the Lord Jesus, I'm going to give you a picture of a complacent church now. John, the apostle in the book of Revelation, instructed by the Lord Jesus, writes to the angel of the Laodicean church the following. I'm reading from Revelation 3 verses 15 through to 19. You want to jot them down and read them later at your own time? You're welcome to do so. This is what he says. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eyesalve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Now, notice that these believers fell into the clutches of complacency. Why do I say that? How do we know that? Because of the words they were saying. They boasted about how rich and wealthy they became, and they had no need of anything. In other words, they were self-satisfied. They became lukewarm, and most of all, they became comfortable in their faith and in their relationship with the Lord, and they did not know that they were in danger of being vomited out of the Lord's mouth. They didn't know that. They thought they were okay. They were deceived because they fell into complacency. Now, I have a question. How does a soul who was once on fire for God become so complacent? Because these churches, once they were on fire for God, and I'm sure you know of believers, and I know of, that once they were on fire for God, 
It was not a problem going to church. It was not a problem going to the prayer closet. They studied the word. They meditated the word. Every time they opened their mouth, the word of God came out. Or they were testifying about their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or they loved and delighted to talk about God. And slowly, 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 they became so comfortable and so cold that you wonder, how did this soul, being so on fire for God, has ended to be like this, cold and indifferent towards the things of God. Well, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 and 11, answers that question for us. I want you to see this verse from your own Bible. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. This is what it says. And this time I'm reading from the NLT, New Living Translation. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep? A little more slumber? A little folding of the hands to rest? Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Now, Sleep in the Bible, whenever you read sleep or sluggard, refers to prayerlessness. Spiritual sleep refers to prayerlessness. Now these warnings are repeated once again in the same book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 30 to 34. It gives us even a clearer picture of a soul that has fallen into the clutches of complacency. Listen to what he says. Proverbs 24, verse 30 to 34. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, so shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. You know, to go backwards in your spiritual walk, you don't have to do any. You just do nothing. You don't have to fall into a great sin. All you do is just stop praying, stop meditating in the Word, stop reading your Bible, stop attending church, listening to the Word of God, and before you realize it, you'll grow cold. Why? Because we have an enemy. Either you're moving forward or you're moving backward. You can't stand still in your Christian life. And so, what we've just described here in the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, the field of the lazy man, the man who little sleep, who went to sleep, little folding of the hands, was overgrown with thorns. This is the exact state of a person that has become spiritually complacent. His spiritual state is overgrown with thorns and thistles. What are thorns and thistles represent in the Bible? It represents the curse. 
The invisible wall of protection around him is torn down and spiritual and material poverty is knocking at this man's door. Little sleep here, little sleep there. Neglect your prayer time, neglect your Bible reading, neglect meditating in the Word, neglect the fellowship of the believers, and before you realize, you have grown cold and indifferent. Now, the only cure to complacency is a passionate pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. A passionate pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I want you either hot or cold. But he says, one thing I cannot stand is lukewarm Christians. They're not hot, they're not cold. They are in between. He says, those I'm going to spew out of my mouth. Why? He can't digest them. And so, let me, let me mention some of the dangers of complacency. And you need to realize and see the spirit of complacency is a major, major stronghold and enemy to spiritual progress and to a lifestyle of prayer. One of the great dangers of being complacent is that it gives you a false sense of security. It gives us a false sense of security. You are unaware of the dangers that lie ahead. You are spiritually dull, insensitive to God's Spirit. You cannot pick up the signals or the promptings of the Spirit anymore. It is the opposite exactly of being watchful and alert in the Spirit. And how often in the New Testament, the Scriptures encourage us or instruct us to be watchful and alert. Jesus said, watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. People who are not watchful and are not prayerful easily fall into the devil's traps. Now, Peter warned us to be always watchful and alert in prayer why? Because he says, your adversary, the devil, walks around seeking whom he may devour. That is why we need to be always watchful, always alert. Why? Because we have an enemy. And we are in the enemy's territory. And if we're not watchful, if we're not alert in prayer, we are not going to pick up those danger signals that the Holy Spirit gives us from time to time. When you are watchful and alert, you will pick up signals from the Spirit and you will know where those pitfalls are so that you can avoid them. I believe we would have prevented a lot of things from taking place in our lives if we have been watchful in prayer. Now Jesus also warned his disciples about the dangers that will come upon the face of the earth on the last days. And he says to them in Luke 21, 36, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. What did he say? Watch therefore and pray always. Why? 
that you may be counted worthy to escape all of these things that will come on the earth and to be able to stand before the Son of Man unashamedly. In one of his parables, Jesus painted a perfect picture of what happens when we fall asleep spiritually. I want you to listen to this verse of Scripture here. Matthew 13, verses 24 and 25. Jesus is speaking and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Notice when the enemy came in. Not while the man was watchful and alert and in prayer. It was while these men slept. That's when the enemy found a way to come in. And what did he do? He sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. That is why we need to be always watchful and alert. Because we have an enemy and he has no mercy. He strikes where we least expect it. But if we are watchful in prayer, we are able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. We need to come, I believe, to terms with the dangers that complacency, complacency places us in and recognize it as one of the greatest enemies to our spiritual progress and to our lifestyle of prayer. Proverbs 1.32 says, The complacency of fools will destroy them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. Well, here's a question. How do we recognize complacency and how do we deal with it? How do we recognize complacency and how do we deal with it? Well, first of all, I believe we need to ask ourselves some very serious questions and answer them as honestly and as truthfully as we can. Here is the first one. Am I comfortable and satisfied with my spiritual state of affairs? Please note that I'm not ministering this word to you to bring on condemnation to you. Far from it. But I do pray and hope that there will be conviction of the Spirit of God. There's a difference between being condemned or feeling condemned and coming under Holy Spirit conviction. Am I comfortable and satisfied with my state of spiritual affairs? Has my relationship with the Lord become cold and distant? Another, another, another question we need to ask. Am I tolerating things in my life that I should not tolerate? Am I putting up with things that I should not put up with? In other words, that I should resist. Here's another one. Do I often excuse my spiritual laziness 
with unfounded excuses? Do I avoid and often forsake the assembling of my spiritual family, of coming together, of receiving and hearing the Word of God, making all sorts of excuses why I cannot do that? Do I often neglect to pray, often neglect to study the Word with a heart that is hungry and is seeking truth? These are questions that only you and I can answer for ourselves. Or, listen to this one, is there a divine flame within my soul that continues to seek God, pressing into His presence and asking for more of Him and more of His wisdom? Is there such a flame? Is there a passion in my religion, in my relationship with the Lord? Am I passionate about the things of God? Am I serious with God? Do I have to be convinced to seek God? You know, uh, Michael often said this from the pulpit. He said, surely I don't have to convince you that to seek God is profitable. Amen. Why is it that so often we need encouragement to pray and to seek God? If there is a flame burning within our soul, nobody has to tell us to pray. Hello? We love to pray because we enjoy the presence of God. So, have I, listen to this one, have I ever experienced a holy dissatisfaction? that left me spiritually disgusted with myself in regards to my spiritual condition. I felt that over the years a number of times, where I truly felt disgusted with myself, where I am, a holy dissatisfaction, because I know there is so much more that I have not yet tasted or experienced in the Lord. When this holy dissatisfaction comes upon you, there is a move of God in your heart that begins to inspire you to press into God's presence all the more and to seek His face evermore. Here's another one. When last have I taken some extra time for a season of prayer and fasting for additional revelation and understanding of God's purposes and God's will for my life. Sometimes we get so busy, most of the time, not sometimes, that we don't even have time to eat, never mind pray. Now the things that I have described above are evidence and symptoms of a soul that is either in the grips of complacency or of a soul that is awakening from a state of lukewarmness and complacency. Now the first step of being set free from this spirit is to recognize and acknowledge that we are in it as the Spirit of God brings conviction of the state of our hearts. Because how can one be delivered from something when you are not aware that you are in it in the first place? 
Amen? Are you with me? How can you be delivered from something when you are not even aware that you are in it? So the first step of being set free from the Spirit is to recognize your state. You recognize and acknowledge your condition as the Spirit of God brings His conviction upon us. Now the second step, once conviction comes, is to confess the sin of complacency and begin to repent of it. Now true repentance comes out of deep conviction that is brought on by the Holy Spirit. You can't work up repentance. Repentance is a gift from God as your heart is being open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? When, that's why the Bible says, do not harden your heart when you hear His voice. Because there is a tendency to excuse ourselves with unfounded excuses when we hear the voice of the Lord. That's why the Bible says, do not harden your heart when you hear His voice. Do not rebel. Have an open heart. Have a pliable heart. Have a broken heart. Have a humble heart. And receive that correction and receive that conviction from the Holy Spirit. Once the conviction comes, repentance will come. Because repentance comes out of deep conviction that is brought on by the Holy Spirit. And finally, we look to the Lord with complete trust and reliance on His Spirit to bring us out of it as we exercise our faith in Him to do so. And let me say this to encourage you. We did not get into the spiritual condition overnight. And we're not going to get out of it overnight as well. It took us months and perhaps even years of consistent, consistently neglecting our spiritual condition, giving in to our flesh. The more you give in to your flesh, the worse it becomes. Little by little, as the scripture says, a little sleep here, a little slumber there, before we realize it, we are in the grips of this spiritual monster. And I tell you this, it will take effort, it will take discipline on our part, but most of all, it will take absolute trust in the Lord to revive our hearts and set our souls on fire once again for the glory of His name. The psalmist said in Psalm 143 verse 11, Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness sake, bring my soul out of trouble. The book of Psalms has many spirit-inspired prayers that will help us pray accordingly on this particular subject. And I want to encourage you today to diligently seek out those prayers in the book of Psalms. Pray them for yourself, your family, and for our ministry. And in conclusion, I like to lead you in a prayer against complacency. And so, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to go first, stop, and I want you to pray it out loud from your heart. Can we do that? Are we ready? Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, it is so easy to just go through the motions and be spiritual. And somehow think that I am better off than others. Your words in Revelation to the church at Laodicea rings loud and clear in my heart. But since you are lukewarm and not hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Father, help me to overcome complacency through the power of the Holy Spirit. May my life be a testimony to your greatness and power. Help me to know the truth more and more each day. And allow the truth to set me free. Free from pretense. Free from ego. Free from the flesh. And free from me. Thank you for your word which speaks truth. Help me to understand your truth. How it applies to my culture and context. And be willing to adjust my life to it. God, my God, you are amazing. And your character and spirit is beyond my ability to understand. Teach me your ways, O Lord that I can walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O God, with all my heart and I will glorify your name forever. Great is your love for me. Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.